Paragon 7 Studios. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon 7 Studios. So I'm reading this from yahoosports.com. Unvaccinated Andrew Wiggins can't play Warriors home games. NBA denies religious exemption request. Golden State Warriors forward Andrew Wiggins must get vaccinated if he wants to play home games this season. The San Francisco Department of Public Health ruled Friday, it's last Friday, that unvaccinated individuals cannot enter the Chase Center. So they can't even go inside, as much less play or suit up, get in the layup line. Even if they have a religious or medical exemption, according to the San Francisco Gate, Department of Health did not mention Wiggins by name, but did refer to players in the statement. Under San Francisco vaccine mandates, individuals must be vaccinated from COVID-19 in order to attend large indoor sporting events. Warriors home games at the Chase Center, their beautiful new arena, meet that specified threshold, meaning members of the Warriors must be vaccinated if they want to play games at home. Wiggins, 26, is not vaccinated. He applied for a religious exemption with the NBA, but the league denied his request last Friday. In a statement, the league confirmed Wiggins could not play in Warriors home games until he fulfills the city's vaccination requirements. That is a polarizing issue. I know Kyrie Irving is dealing with the same thing. So basically what you have, in essence, in some of the, the larger metropolitan areas, and in states that tend to, to lean more liberal, you have some of these vaccinations. So they supersede whatever laws the NBA has, right? Because if 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 San Francisco's saying, yo, you can't you can't come hoop at the Chase Center unless you're vaccinated, it doesn't really matter what the NBA says. The NBA may not have a mandate. But if you have a local mandate, I know that the the Brooklyn Nets have the same mandate. I don't know if it's in Brooklyn across the board. I don't know if it's the Nets organization. But you're talking about the premise that there may be people who are prominent players, rather prominent role players like Andrew Wiggins. You think that the Golden State Warriors are going to be much better this year? Steph Curry still is in his prime. Averaged 30 points a game last year, had one of his best seasons. Clay Thompson coming off of two injuries, his Achilles injury and an ACL injury. You feel it's going to be in great form. Clay, Clay Thompson does not have to be explosive. It's not his game. It's when, when KD tore his Achilles, people were like, Hey, he's probably never going to be the same again. I was always like, no, nah, he's still going to be pretty good. Because he's seven feet tall and he's a, he's a jump shooter. And actually, his jump shooting is so efficient that he might even be 
he can still ascend in his trajectory. He could actually be better. Because for KD, it might actually be a waste of time for him dribbling and taking people to the basket because he's wet and he's seven feet tall. Kevin Durant's the only person in history. Kevin Durant is the only man in the history of mankind going back to the protozoan Cro-Magnon era that actually lies about his height to be shorter than want to play the four or the five. KD is every bit of seven feet tall. You, you, if you see him standing next to Giannis, he's taller than Giannis. Giannis is 6'11". We've never seen anybody like KD who is seven feet tall and absolutely wet and a fantastic ball handler. Dirk was wet. He was seven feet tall. But he was slow, and he wasn't the ball handler that KD is. KD basically could run point forward at seven feet and spray it up anywhere from 30 feet in. And if he hadn't have played 48 consecutive minutes, and if his foot was just half an inch shorter, they beat the Bucks last year. It's very likely that the Nets win the NBA championship, even with Kyrie down and even with James Harden playing on one hamstring. But you have prominent players that may miss time. They may miss all of their home games if they don't want to get vaccinated. And that's really symbolic of what we're seeing across the country because we're coming to a critical mass situation with the vaccine. And it still, it still remains to be a political topic, which it shouldn't be, but it's a political topic. And you see individuals complaining that they don't feel like it's fair that they can't go to games in San Francisco or Brooklyn or other locales that have these mandates if they're not vaccinated. People call it tyranny. People call it the mark of the beast. People call it the end of days. People call it a prelude to, the, to, to some dawn of the dead type of situation. Everybody's going to be a zombie and everybody's chasing each other and all of that stuff. And, and I, I just tend to say that, that that's such a, a very myopic view on society and, and such a bad take. It is not the private sector's responsibility to allow you to do whatever you want, whenever you want, at whatever time you want. This is not, this is not the founding fathers, who I'm not a big fan of. This is not the founding fathers back in the 1700s talking about inalienable rights. You don't have an inalienable right to go to a basketball game, to go to a football game, to go to a baseball game, to play in a basketball game. That's, that's not a part of your constitutional rights. You don't have a right to do that. I said on the show all the time, and my family has, has dealt with COVID and is dealing with COVID. I said on the show all the time that I'm not going to shame people for not wanting to take the vaccine. You don't have to take the vaccine if you don't want to take the vaccine. That is your right. It's your body. It's your choice. I'm vaccinated. Not only am I vaccinated, I'll be getting the booster. That's my choice because I made my choice with my body. I don't have a right to tell you what to do with your body. And you darn sure don't have a right to tell me 
that I'm not uplifting the black community and I'm an Uncle Tom. I'm taking, quote, the white man's medication because I've had people say that to me. If I choose to do what I feel is best to protect myself and my medical history and my history with, with chronic illness, particularly that being Lyme disease. But where people make the mistake in the private sector, your job, the restaurant across the street from you, sporting events, colleges, schools, private schools, they have a right to say, you know what? We don't want unvaccinated people with us. That doesn't make them, this isn't Revelations 13. That doesn't make them the, that doesn't make them the lady on the seven headed beast in Revelations that says mystic Babylon, mother of our harlots. That's not what this is. I'm very, I'm very sick and tired. If you've worked in healthcare or you've had someone that you love that's dealt with COVID and you've been in ICUs, you've seen people in ventilator, you've seen people dying. You've talked to nurses that have had to see this for the last 18 months the post-traumatic stress disorder that they're dealing with or dealing with our teachers who have had outbreaks at school, who have had to do hybrid teaching or talk to small business owners who have to, had to close their doors and unable to feed their family. They have every right to not want unvaccinated people within their panorama. It's their business. If I want to say, hey, you can't come down to Paragon 7 Studios and use my studio or interview here if you are not vaccinated, that does not make me a supporter of tyranny. That is not comparable to the Spanish Inquisition. That is not comparable to World War II Nazi Germany. That's not comparable to fascism in Italy under Mussolini. And you're going to see we're, we're coming to a crossroads and I use a sports take to go into something a little bit more um, mainstream or, or political. I don't, I don't think it's political, but people are politicizing this. You're going to see as we get into the fall and the winter, because as, as someone that works in healthcare, someone that talks to people, we're in for more pestilence. And I'm not saying that to be doom and gloom. We had a chance to beat this thing. If people had gotten vaccinated now, this is my opinion Having half of the country vaccinated is even worse than just letting herd immunity. Because now you got the mutations and the mutations are the ones that have resisted and, and cohorted and grown in people that are vaccinated. So if you can vaccinate everybody, then you have less transmissions. I'm tired of the tool bags. I have so many tool bags. Oh, well. You can still get COVID if you're vaccinated, so I'm not going to get it. Follow the data. Follow the data, Skippy. We know that you can still get COVID if you're vaccinated. The data says that if you're vaccinated, your chances of having a serious case, ending up in the hospital or dying, especially if you don't have pre-existing conditions, especially if you're healthy, are extremely neutralized. Does that mean that you are shielded from COVID like the bubble boy on Seinfeld? Does that mean that, 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 that you're impregnable? No. Does that guarantee you that you're going to live to be 100? No. But what it does is it lowers the viral load and it lowers the opportunity for people to get COVID and to transmit COVID and to be symptomatic with COVID. So you're going to see 
players, people will protest. They'll say that it's tyranny. They'll say that it's tyranny that that you have to that the people in the NBA have to get vaccinated to play in these these specified regions. It's different from region to region. You know, I believe I assume if you're somewhere like Texas that has different laws, Georgia has different laws. Probably not going to matter. But what's going to happen to Kyrie Irving if he can't play half the games, including the playoffs? What's going to happen to Andrew Wiggins if he can't play half the games, including the playoffs? There's be a lot of pressure on these people. We know Kyrie Irving does whatever he wants. One thing about Kyrie Irving, I don't like him, but he's consistent. And you're going to see this become a campaign about tyranny. You're going to hear words like tyranny. You're going to hear words like fascism. You're going to hear words of that ilk. And people implying that, well, if you can make Andrew Wiggins take the vaccine, you can make all the teachers take the vaccine. You can make government workers take the vaccine. You can make local mechanics take the vaccine. My law firm can make me take the vaccine. And I'm saying it's the private sector. You don't have to take the vaccine. But you may have to make some sacrifices in society There's a difference between someone saying, hey, I don't want your unvaccinated carcass in the layup line in Brooklyn and Atlantic Station to to play on the squad. There's a difference between that and the government coming with a military police jabbing you by force with 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 a military tank pulling up in your driveway. That's not the same thing. This is not Biden forcing people, saying if you don't get the vaccine, we're going to throw you in jail. We're going to persecute you. You're going to have to run to the wilderness like the time of trouble, the time of tribulation in the Bible. But this is coming around. People are going to have to make their choice. If you don't want to take something that data shows lowers risk, doesn't completely eliminate risk. You're going to have to face some consequences, and those consequences may, in fact, be that there will be certain areas that don't want you around. You'll have to find other places to cohort that don't mind if you're around. You might want to move to Texas. You might want to move to Mississippi. You might want to move to Florida. But just don't try to sell me that people that don't want to be a part of COVID super spreader events and want you to be vaccinated. I'm, I'm in the ICU. I've seen what's going on in there. I've seen people die. With my own eyes. Don't tell me that if you don't want to take the vaccine, that it's your inalienable right to come sit next to me at a basketball game and breathe and cough and sneeze on me. Because that is a lie. Last day show. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmode Squad. But at the same time, like I said... And me, you know, I'm 56 years old. Damn! James Lewis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. It feels so good to be cared for. Back up now, just a little more. The feeling someone's always there. Just to show how much they care. The to protect each day caring goes a long long way nationwide is on your side 
This is your boy Rampage, first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Learn more about group insurance benefits with Engagement Health. Call to speak to an advisor today at 832-219-5829. Tell them that the Flatbush King sent you. At Industrious, we don't want anything to get between you and your great day. That's why our private offices and suites come with everything you need to safely connect with your teammates in person or over Zoom so you can make every day a great one. Go to industriousoffice.com. Enjoy a great day at Industrious on us when you book a tour at industriousoffice.com. Black women are fierce, brilliant, courageous, dope. Black women are making a difference, making history, and changing the world. I think about all of the black women who have showed up to fight for justice. We are starting to finally accept all of the skills and talents a woman can bring to the table. Urban One, thank you. This one is so special. In the sports talk radio justice world, mediocre quarterback play and porous tackling are considered especially heinous. On the Lance J Show, the dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad at Paragon 7 Studios. These are their stories. <laughs> So I was having an argument with with one of my friends, several of my friends, who are on the far far left. So one thing about one thing about this show, I try my best to play it down the middle. You know, I say all the time I have conservative beliefs, I have liberal beliefs. I'm very liberal socially. I'm very conservative financially. I don't hate Jeff Bezos. I don't hate Elon Musk. I don't hate you for being rich, especially when Amazon, as I said all the time, you didn't you didn't earn your money the old fashioned way. You didn't pull a Trump. You didn't have daddy leave you three hundred million dollars. You actually started your company out of your garage. So the fact that Jeff Bezos. Created a company. And was smart enough to understand that, hey, you know, we can't build something that's longitudinal. Because Amazon, when they started, right, they were they were a book delivery service. They're like they're like the book of the month club. But they had this great logistics setup. And they realized that, hey, we're getting books and we're getting magazines, we're getting print media to people. But you know what? We have this great logistics. Why don't we start delivering other stuff to people? Why don't we start delivering someone uh, 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 fake trees for their living room and furniture and cameras and shoes and other commodities that people need? Then they, then they went and bought Whole Foods. So now you can go through Amazon, especially in the pandemic. You go through Amazon. If you want to get your favorite foods from Whole Foods, which is really, really expensive, if you want to pay $38 for three ounces of food to get some, some nice Indian food or some tamales or some chicken noodle soup, you can go through Amazon and you can get all of those things that they deliver right to your door. Now, 
I lived in Seattle as Amazon was expanding. I don't love the way that they treat their employees, but I factually know that a lot of their employees were making six figure money. Now they're working 90 hours a week. That wasn't my choice. That wasn't where I was in my career. But my understanding of Amazon is they pay above market value for many of their positions. I don't know every single position that they have, but they pay above market value. Now, do they do they have a culture that that Lance J would work at? Absolutely not. But would Lance J go back to work for Blue Cross? Absolutely freaking not. Everybody has a corporate culture that's a pain in the arse. Everybody has nepotism. Everybody has favoritism. If I didn't have a non-disclosure agreement, and if I didn't understand that I want to be in business with other major healthcare players, I could tell you all sorts of stories about my time with Blue Cross and things that I saw there that were racial in nature, that were nepotism-based, that were favoritism-based. It's just, you know what? I like this person. This is my guy. This is my gal. We're going to promote them and elevate them upwards in spite of their incompetence because this is this is my guy. And they've lived here in the market. They've been here in the market for 30 years. That happens at businesses everywhere. But I don't, I'm not going to begrudge someone who's rich because they build a better product and they have a better supply chain and they deliver it better. I'm just going to go to places that I want to go to shop. So Walmart, they made a lot of money based on their supply chain. If you study, if you're a Harvard Business Review guy like myself, you read that. You know that Walmart is where they are because they've manipulated their supply chain. They're big enough to cut corners. They're big enough to squeeze their vendors. Amazon's big enough to squeeze their drivers. So the drivers that are out there making sure you get your blender so you can make a margarita within 24 hours, they're working around the clock. They don't even get a chance to pee. Got cameras on them all the time. But there's a difference between that. This isn't a this isn't a Russian gulag. They're not forcing you. They're not chaining you. This isn't the 1920s. This isn't Ida B. Wells and the muckrackers. This isn't people chaining children to machines for seven cents an hour. So I don't I don't begrudge these large companies that that built a better way to deliver product and have been good with their money. I don't I don't hate them. I'm not against them. But my liberal friends are. A lot of my liberal friends hate to see because my liberal friends aren't poor. I'm not talking about my my friends that are really all in, that are social workers, make 48K a year. Most of my liberal friends are professors in some form of academia, in some form of, of political correspondence, lobbyists, Stuff like that. They're all making six figures or close to six figures. And they want to complain about someone who's richer than them and what they haven't contributed to society. And in my mind, I'm always thinking, I'm like, if you're in America and you're making 90 grand a year, you are the 1% globally. So if you're having that, if you're having that constant circuitous conversation with your liberal friends, this is how you stop that. I learned how to stop that this week. I was having an argument with several of my liberal friends, several different text threads that I'm on. One on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. And I challenged them. I said, you know what? You're right about what AOC says about living wages. I agree. As someone who's done well financially, 
you're doing pretty well financially. We can't do anything about the midterm elections now, right? Because that's 2022. We can help and campaign for better candidates that will that will redistribute the wealth, that will think about the little guy that may raise taxes on the rich if you believe in, in taxing the rich, like ALC's dress. But why don't we do something right now? Because within our small little circle and sphere of influence and the people that we know, we can't influence a national election. Now, we can go to the local city council meetings and the local meetings with our congressmen and congresswomen and make our voices heard. But why don't all of us on this thread put up a thousand bucks? I have a thousand bucks. It's getting late in the year. I, I want to donate as much money as possible. It's a, it's a tax write-off for me. But more important than the tax write-off, let's do something great for people. Let's deliver bottles of water to Flint. Let's send money to a family that's lost their children to gun violence on the south side of Chicago or Compton or Camden, New Jersey or East St. Louis. Let's find a cause and everybody on this thread put up $500 to $1,000. Because if everybody does that, we can't change the national narrative, but we can help one family who's not earning a living wage. We raise five grand. We can help someone that's in dire straits. We can help send their kids to school. We can help someone have proper nutrition, proper medical care, access to medication. And you know what I heard from my liberal friends on that thread? Nothing but crickets. Oh, well, um, you're trying to divert the conversation to something else because this is a national issue of the perils of and selfishness of rich people. Do you want to help people out or not? Or do you just want to stand and look at someone else that has more than you and say, say it's their responsibility. When you're in the top five, 10% of income nationally, you want to look at Richard Branson. You're mad because he's going into space to risk his life with his money that he earned. But what have you done for your community? If you haven't donated any money, and if you're not willing to donate any money, get off of your arse and actually do something. You can miss Lance J with all of that drivel because all of us can help other people that are in need without the politics stuff. You can put up 200 bucks, you can put up 300 bucks. If you're not willing to do that, you're an absolute fraud. You show your true colors. Lance J Show. Live from the Paragon 7 Studios, you are listening to the Land J Radio Network. Paragon 7 Studios.
AEP annual enrollment programs are launching in just a few months, and this is the perfect time to shop for the best insurance options for you and your loved ones. Learn more about individual and group insurance benefits with Engagement Health. Their diverse portfolio includes accident expense, specified disease plans, life insurance, and PPO plans. Engagement Health's licensed benefit advisors are just a phone call away to bring you optimal service in selecting affordable and unique benefit packages that meet your health care needs. Call Engage in Health today at 832-219-5829. That's 832-219-5829 and tell them that Lance J sent you.